0: this is episode 51 of the gen x photography podcast and in this episode julie and suzanne and i talk with heather palasek about her uh pinhole photography, uh, solography uh experimental processes uh teaching photography at school um her many projects uh, especially relating to the environment and all sorts of other stuff so uh We hope that you enjoy the episode. But before we get into it, I just wanted to reiterate for all you dear listeners that um, I'm going to uh, be doing a podcast dedicated to cheap cameras, cheap lenses, uh, third-party stuff, third-party lenses, and things like that. And uh, so I welcome all of your uh, voice recordings about your favorite cheap cameras, cheap lenses, third-party lenses, and, and the like. And just as an aside, if you have more than one uh, cheap camera or cheap lens or third-party lens, don't worry about it. Send them all in. <laughs> I welcome uh, you know any amount of discussion um, about these uh, maybe hidden beauties or overlooked beauties. So uh, send one, send all uh, to uh, to me via email, and that's genxphotogpod.com. Photog Pod at gmail.com. G-E-N-X-P-H-O-T-O-G P-O-D at gmail.com. Again, Gen X Photog Pod at gmail.com. Yeah. Send uh, any voice recordings uh, to that email and we'll be sure to play them on the on the podcast. And we're shooting uh, for mid to late February uh, for this this podcast where everyone who sends one in will be uh, part of the show. (laughs) So, uh, send them in and we'll, we will play them. All right. Well, now let's get on into our, um, discussion with Heather Palasek. Welcome, everyone, to episode 51 of the Gen X Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Mario Piper, and today's kind of a special thing because it's the start of season four of our podcast, so that's pretty cool, pretty cool. Um, so we have uh, with us today, of course, my two co-hosts, Julianne Piper and Suzanne Lopez. How are you guys doing?
1: Wonderful
2: doing good
0: awesome awesome and today we have a very special guest her name is Heather Palacek 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 okay Palacek from New Jersey and she is a fantastic pinhole artist pinhole photographer and so we're going to enjoy talking with her today but thank you for joining the podcast Heather yeah
3: thank you so much for having me it's my pleasure
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, before we get into uh, the interview with Heather, let's just talk about how everything's been going in the last uh, you know couple of weeks. And I'll start off for myself. Um, I haven't been doing as much shooting lately. Um, primarily, here's the, the, the main reason. I was getting really tired of dust on the negatives. And so I was like, ah, what, what can I do? So I saw, uh, Suzanne, your post uh, pretty recently where you I think you have uh, finger squeegeed the the film and then wiped it dry with, um, with a peck pad. Yes. And uh, so I looked up, I forgot about peck pads, pec pads, I was uh, thinking just wipes, and so I uh, researched, uh, or bought some Kim wipes, and I was waiting for them to come and waiting for them to come. So I had like, I don't know, six or seven rolls to develop. <laughs> or no, no, eight rolls of, of film to develop. And so um, finally we... We got them all developed, and I'm learning how to how to wipe them dry so that because these these Kim wipes don't leave behind uh, dust or anything like that if you treat them in the correct way. But if you if you do it the wrong way, it does leave behind you know fragments of the paper. So I'm gonna be I think going with the PEC pads. I think those are supposed to be absolutely lint free and for photographers. So
1: I was. I was wondering when you were asking me about the kim chem- is it chem? Like yeah. cm K- C-H-E-M? Um, is that what it is?
0: It's uh, like the 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 name, K- K-I-M?
1: Yeah. Oh, that's Kim wipe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually hadn't, I figured that was just like a generic name, like it's, that's, and I just happened to have the generic version or something. Yeah. Hey, I didn't know that. Well, I'll stick with pec pad then.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, what Kim wipes are, it seems like is, is like, um like tissue that's maybe a little bit it falls apart less easily but it does fall apart if you if you don't do it the correct way so I'm still trying to figure it out Uh, because I have like 288 (laughs) of these little tissues I might as well use them but the other thing is I think I found the camera that I guess for me the perfect camera and that is a Pentax KX it's not one that is normally used uh most people think about the the k1000 but when pentax made that uh, announcement it just got me got me thinking about pentax cameras and so i thought you know i love my spotmatics but i wish there was one which i wish i had one with a, a working light meter and this one has a perfect light meter the in the viewfinder it shows the shutter speed and it has a little all the shutter speeds and the aperture at the top And so it's just, I I love the camera. It's really, really, really a good camera. So, yeah, yeah. So that's all I have so far. How about you guys? Go ahead, any one of you. (laughs) Julie, start with you.
4: Okay.
2: Okay. (laughs) Well, I was gone for a funeral, so I haven't taken many pictures. And the pictures I took while I was gone didn't come out great. So I'm kind of bummed about that. Maybe in a few days they'll look better, but they don't look great today. Yeah. Um, I got something exciting in the mail. Well, exciting to me from Wayne Setzer. You guys can see it. Our listeners can't, but he sent me this print with a, um, he gave me a lens for my Mamiya 180 millimeter lens that somebody had a friend of his passed away and gave him his photography stuff to rehome. So he sent me one of the lenses and this really cool postcard print called choices. It says on the back. So that was cool. And then I also got um, a whole box of fun things from Brandon Helton in the mail. A like some old lenses and a baby speed graphic that is for parts and that was cool and then someone named Ryan Cervizi sent me two partly broken partly not broken Yashica A's to play with so I just I don't have much excitement except for that people sent me presents in the mail and that was really exciting
0: well, presents are always fun, uh, especially uh, photography-related, right?
4: <laughs> Toys. Well,
0: yeah, exactly. Well, how about you, Suzanne? How have things been going for you?
1: Things have been good. Um, I'm glad, Julie, you mentioned your your mail, because I actually also got some fun mail. So you guys might have seen on my story that I got, um, I'm borrowing, hopefully keeping, um, of one of my parents' old typewriters. So they had it refurbished um and my brother always hand writes me letters because he loves fountain pens and I never write back because I hate my handwriting is I'm very sloppy and everything so I'm like but I could type so in posting that I had some people reach out and say well I'd love to do like pen pal and 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 print print swap at the same time so I've had with Pete Donovan um Roxana and I are going to do that. Uh, another gal, Victoria, from she's from Maine. Um, so I'm starting to develop some pen pal slash photo print swap people, which is really cool. And then I've been spending a little more time. I've actually had two weeks in a row that I've been in the darkroom because that's one of my huge goals, high, high goals this year is just to get more proficient and understand it better and produce prints that are worthy <laughs> I mean, I think, I think it's always good to get that practice in the dark room, but mm. I want to really start honing in my skills and being intentional, intentional with what I'm doing and how it's going and stuff. So I got to do that a little bit, had some frustrating times. And then I had one day that was like, everything went as it should. So, <laughs> so that's it. For-
0: well, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Being in the dark room is it's a different part of ph- photography, and I know for myself, I you know I love shooting. It's it's my favorite part of photography, holding the camera, looking through the viewfinder, and picking the film and all that. But being in the darkroom, um, it, it's it's just different and and lovely. It's it's a, it's a good time. Well, Heather, how have you been uh, lately?
3: I've been good. Um, I also have not been shooting too much recently, and I've been spending this first month this year doing a lot of behind the scenes work. Um, with getting a new project up and running. Um, I am the leader of the NJ Pinhole Club. So I've been planning our April um, members exhibit in Philadelphia, um, which has an open call, a free open call for um, any pinhole photographers around the world to join in. So I've been working um, really hard with that. Also, this year, I'm doing the thrifted pinhole day in August. It'll be our very first event. Um, So I'm doing a lot of behind-the-scenes work for that, too. So um, not as much art making, but more like just gearing up for the year. Um, I've been doing a lot of journaling and meditating and um, trying to get inspired and figure out what my next new project is. So...
0: Cool, cool. Are busy. Yeah, that's that's the way it is. Well... (laughs) That sounds good. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, we've all had a very very busy uh, 2022, 2023. Hopefully, will be um, a, a bit calmer for all of us. Um, I'm ho- I'm hoping. <laughs> we recently had our son move out, and so it's qu- sort of a change in our home dynamics and uh, opening up, um, you know, parts of our house that you know he normally or formerly lived in. So now we're trying to figure out how to utilize that you know those spaces so it's it's kind of interesting
3: dark room
0: yes (laughs) we have some tentative plans in our laundry room kind of sanctioning off a small portion of that to to make it to a dark room so uh, just figuring out the construction part of it but all right well let's get uh go ahead with the uh interview uh with heather now heather um you do a lot of fantastic work, and we happen to meet you, Julie and I met you in, um, I think it was, uh, oh, I can't remember the name of the town, but in, in Vermont, Manchester. Manchester,
4: yeah, Manchester, that's right. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and and your work was just astounding. Um, can you tell us a little bit about um, just your history with photography, your history with art, and how you got into into this medium?
3: Yeah, sure. Um, I feel like as a kid, I was always just like really artsy, like many artists were just doing like little craft projects in my room. Um, And when I was in high school, I took my first um, photography class, and it was a darkroom film photography class. And I would say that was like the turning point in my life where I just absolutely fell in love with it. I felt for the first time that I found like, my like calling, you know, like all 16 year olds are kind of in turmoil trying to figure out who they are. And I was like, wow, like, (laughs) photography combines like science it combines math it's really technical but it's really artsy um I got along with my teacher really well and um I just I loved it so I decided from that point forward that I actually wanted to be a photo teacher when I grew up so I went to college um to get a degree in art education and I took like six I don't know seven or eight photo classes through my time there. Um, I actually majored in large format photography, um, which for any of the listeners that don't know what that is, that's like the old school, like blanket over your head, huge (laughs) camera. Um, So I was working with four by five. And um, actually, Mario, you sent me a cool picture of Julie this morning with a blanket over her head. (laughs) I thought I was working on. Um, But so I majored in that, and then um, of course. Know through some trial and error, I I realized it's really hard to be a photo teacher. (laughs) There are not very many jobs, Um, it's kind of a niche thing. Um, But I was very, very, very fortunate, and I work um, at a high school uh, with a darkroom and a digital program. So just a total dream job. Um, And then outside of school, I uh, started my own photography business um, doing digital photography, uh, family portraits. So I've been doing that for I don't know, since like 2010, I would say. Um, but at a certain point in there, and I can't even tell you what year, I started to get burnt out from uh, digital photography. And I was really craving what I had ex- experienced in college. I missed working with my hands. I missed the slow, large format process, being in the dark room. And I just like felt like there was a hole inside of me. So I needed to find a way to start making artwork again, because I I kind of really focused on like being a family photographer and not being a fine artist. And although I do love, I still have my own job as a family photographer and I absolutely love it. I still like, I had that hole in me and I was like, what can I do to like get back to my roots? And I was like, pinhole. I just have to go like <laughs> <laughs> the opposite of digital photography. Um, so I got back into pinhole photography and was taking it more seriously. Um, through watching, I, I, Like, I can't thank my students enough through watching their trial and error. Like, they make more mistakes than I would ever make in my life. And I watch them make those mistakes. And I learn from trying to teach them how to troubleshoot. And, like, their experimental processes have kind of really influenced me to be more experimental with my work. Um, And it just sort of has gone from there. So I work, um, you know, very often in pinhole photography. But I'm also very interested in cameraless processes. I do um, photograms and uh, like chemigrams and lumen prints, cyanotype. Um, I've been like experimenting with how I can combine a lot of those processes, which is what you were seeing um, when you came to visit my solo show in Manchester. Um, a lot of those works. Were actually all of them were at least halfway cameraless um, and kind of like combining either like darkroom printing with cameraless photography, um, pinhole with cameraless. And um, so just really experimenting in the darkroom with like slow historic processes is like my jam.
0: That's so cool. <laughs>
3: well, I don't um, know if
0: that's a good explanation, but <laughs> absolutely. You know, I had a, qu- a question well several questions based on what you just said but the first one you're so you're a high school teacher with a dark room that's really cool um (laughs) do you find that any of the students are at all interested in the dark you know the analog aspect of of photography
3: yes i find so it's kind of split students today teen, I should just say, not students, just like this generation, teenagers today, their entire lives have been so digital. So some of them just, that's just life. And they like it and they're cool with it. And they get in the dark room and they're like, oh my God, like, I'm happy I have this experience. This is really cool. But like, this is not for me. This is too slow. It's too monotonous. Like I could have done this once and move on to the next thing. Um, but then there are some students who are like, this is real. Like they are craving a real experience. They've, they, I kind of laugh because being classically trained, um, you know, dust. And you were just talking about dust is like my worst enemy. For them, they're <laughs> like, no, I want dust. It makes it seem so real. And I'm like, mm, I don't
4: know.
3: <laughs> so they like crave these real experiences. And the dark room does provide that for a lot of them. They're very happy to be making work. Um, the other thing I find interesting is that these students have. Uh, not experienced printed photographs before mm. and the like if I show them a digital picture like if they turn it a digital photograph and I print it out for them they're like oh whoa where did that come from like they're excited about it but then when they get in the dark room they're like I made this and there's like a a sense of pride within them that like they've never like seen a printed photo but then like they made it themselves um so there are there are a lot of students that just love it um and some students are like i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i wish it was faster so it's a it's a bit mixed
0: it does seem like there's a there was a real generational shift or i guess a a humankind shift between the the generation that grew up in a a more analog way not not talking just about uh, photography but just in life in general mm. versus those that were born after the digital revolution I guess you could almost say it's kind of like when the industrial revolution came about those born prior to that and those born after the the industrial revolution it's like we changed as a species mm-hmm. and so it's interesting to see like you said that the, <laughs> these younger younger people seeing an older you know process and just being fascinated by it Cause I, I know myself, I'm still fascinated by it. And I, I grew up in that era, you know, Magic. <laughs> so yeah, it is.
3: <laughs> I always tell them their first day in the dark room. Like, I don't know a photographer that does not remember the first time that they saw like a print develop. I was like, this is like your moment, guys. You will remember this the rest of your life, like cherish this. Um, For sure. Yeah, fun.
0: Julie and Suzanne, do you have anything to, to add or ask?
1: Oh, all kinds of things. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I I'll, I'll start. Um, I just I was at looking through your your Instagram and I am so fascinated by your like super long exposures. Actually, there's a couple of things I want to mention right off the bat. So I'm looking at one a solar graph. Mhm. And that was done in a pinhole, right? Yes. Okay. For like months. Yep. <laughs> like years.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Some of my solar graphs have been like over three years. Oh man. Where do you put them? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I have a little cabin in upstate New York. So a lot of my pinhole cameras are up there because I have 50 acres of property and there's like a camera on like every tree. Um, But then I also put them uh, places nearby. So um, because I actually, Mary, you introduced me as living in New Jersey. I have to say I just recently like as of like a month ago moved to
0: Pennsylvania okay
3: <laughs> but it's okay <laughs> I still feel like I'm from New Jersey at heart but um like around here um if there's like a famous uh like depending on the project I want to work on like if there's like a famous structure I might you know go into Doylestown and put uh like a solar graph camera or a pinhole camera out to like photograph a specific subject um but oftentimes it's just like the local parks that are nearby i'll like go off hiking into the woods and like put them up on trees um around me so i really i put them everywhere i i save my pins on a google map so i can remember where they are and go back to them and they're all over the place so all through the tri-state area i've put them in vermont i actually have one only because i I semi forgot about it. It's in Madrid right now. So
0: oh <laughs> Madrid, Spain. Yes. Oh my goodness.
3: So I need to go back, which is this is a good excuse. Um, <laughs> yeah. I bring a vacation with me. So every time I'm on vacation, I bring a camera with me. Um, sometimes I will leave them knowing I'm going to go back to that spot again. And other times it's just a shorter duration. Like if I'm staying somewhere for a week, I'll just do a week long exposure for that vacation. Um, so really I put them up all over the place.
1: Okay. So maybe I need to back up even further because I'm guessing maybe some of the listeners will not know either. I don't have any way of wrapping my head around how you left something up and you actually have an exposure after two years. Of like what are you on? Um, how does, how does that work?
3: I knew you were going to ask that because nobody can wrap their head around it at first. And honestly, I couldn't either when I was first told about it and I just had to go out and experiment and figure it out. But okay. Um, it is a pinhole camera and it should be weatherproof, um, so I use metal tins, um, and they have to be weatherproof because the camera is going to be outside in the snow, the rain, like the heat, all, the whole nine yards. Um, I shoot on photo paper, like darkroom photo paper, um, black and white paper, okay, cool. and it doesn't matter what, like for any listener that wants to experiment with this, it does not matter what photo paper you use, just any darkroom photo paper. Um, so you put that in the camera, hang it up, and then just let it expose. Um, so the reason that it does not get, I'm doing like air quotes right now, um, like overexposed um, but actually, it is being overexposed. Um, you would never develop it in the dark room. So I think what you're thinking of traditionally is like, well, I know in a dark room, if I put a piece of photo paper under an enlarger for 10 seconds, like it turns all black, like how could you leave it out for a month? So the reason it's not getting overexposed in that sense is because you aren't developing it. Um, but you are intentionally overexposing the paper that is in the camera. Um, so I don't know if you've ever heard of a lumen print. But if you take darkroom photo paper out of the darkroom and allow like just regular room light or sunlight to shine on it, it like immediately gets overexposed. So you could lay an object on top of that paper, just like you would a photogram in the darkroom. And then that's like considered a lumen print is creating like a photogram outside of the darkroom. Um, And then essentially, and it's in color because the paper is so extremely overexposed, it turns Uh, it actually is a color and depending on the brand it could be purple like pink or blue like some so it depends um but you are doing that inside of a pinwall camera it's just through a little obviously like a little tiny hole it's extremely overexposing and that's where my images get the color from is because really it's a lumen print inside of the camera and then um, the next question you're going to ask, because it's always is like, well, <laughs> how, like, why does it matter? Like, if you can do it for a week or like three years, like, what's the difference? Um, or like, how do you know how long does it matter? It really doesn't matter at all. They'll show up even after one day. But a one day exposure is not going to have as much contrast um, or detail in the shadows. So the longer you leave it up, the more detail you have in the shadows. Um, so it kind of caveat to that like if this was like a rocking boat what's going to swing it to the other side is the longer you leave it out it's p- more likely it's going to get ruined um, through weather patterns or tampered with or stolen mm. so there's like uh you, you kind of never know really what's going to happen and I also feel like that's part of the fun of it and that's also why I think like the fun of pinhole photography too is like you just
0: don't really know so, so when you go to Madrid or you know, somewhere else and you're you know vac- vacationing somewhere and you're placing your your pinhole, uh, w- well, I guess a camera of sorts, but when you p- place that camera on a tree or whatever, you're kind of surreptitiously doing that so nobody steals it? Yes. <laughs> okay. You know, um, <laughs> Julie and I did a couple of solar grams. Um, I think it was last year. Uh, we wanted to do it from the winter solstice to the summer solstice. Cool. yeah. And we placed it on the south side of our uh, horse well it used to be our horse barn. Mm-hmm. And um and then yeah, it was cool when we when we were finished, we brought him home and we just immediately scanned it. We didn't develop it at all yep. and it was so rad, like black and white paper that mm-hmm. was multicolored. It yeah. was really cool. Yeah, and we saw hints of the trees. Like of course there was the the bands of the sun and the moon as they were going by, but um, just the hints of the trees as well in the background. It was really in, uh, fascinating.
3: Yeah, so- I'm glad you experienced it. I love it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Is that, so I was just going to ask, I'm looking at one right now. So the stri- the stripes that I see going through are the sun and the moon?
3: Just the sun. Just the, the sun. sun. Okay. Yeah, the sun is brighter than the moon is. Um, so then it overpowers the strength okay. of that and it doesn't show up.
0: Okay. okay.
3: Yeah. Okay. So-
1: when you take it out, then, how do you not ruin the print?
3: Um, well,
1: does it stay? like how you took like I'm looking at I don't even know what date it was it's blue it's blue
4: mm-hmm.
1: or, let me see it might be one of your first ones, yeah, it's like four, the fifth photo ago that you posted. So then you, okay, so I'm sorry. I'm like, really, do not know what what this is all about. No, it's okay.
3: Well, some people are a little bit more particular than I personally am. Um, You know, there is not one right way to make a solar graph. So there's a million ways to do it. Um, Some people will take them out and be very careful. They do it in a dark room and then you scan the paper negative. So you don't develop it, you scan it. Um, But for me, I personally feel like if this camera was out for like three months the five seconds it takes me to remove it from the camera and put it in my scanner is like literally nothing it's like a not like a drop in a bucket in comparison to how many seconds it was exposed by the sun so right. for me i just take it out and put it in the scanner um oh. but i do things like, i don't know i'm not a super precise person
1: yeah so. i feel like you like that too So there are a lot
3: people of that mind. would be like no you're doing it wrong and i'm like eh, i'm
0: <laughs> <It's> not <okay. laughs> it works it does work <laughs>
1: That is so, that is, I had no knowledge of this before this moment. This is awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it's
0: super fun. I
3: would recommend experimenting if you can. Um, Yeah, I think it's really
0: fun. Now, Heather, a quick question. Um, So paper, photographic paper has a, you know, most likely has a base rating of like ISO 6 or 3, you know, something like that. And there are some films that are rated that low as well. Do you think that you could make a solargram gram? with film?
3: Um, I know that you can.
0: Okay,
3: There are not very many people out there doing it, or at least publicly saying that they're doing it, but um, there is someone, um, Michael Farinelli, I don't know what country he is from, but uh, he writes to me on Instagram every once in a while, and he has shown me images that he's done on film. Um, So... I don't really know much more about it than that. I've I have a very long to do list of experiments in my sketchbook, and photographs <laughs> on film is one of them. I okay. haven't gotten there yet, um, but I do know it's possible. I um, just based off of my experience and thoughts. I don't know if this is accurate, but I would believe you would need a highly diluted developer. Oh, to- okay. Like you'd have to, I believe you would have to experiment with the dilution um, so that it doesn't overpower and just turn the negative completely black.
0: Oh, okay. And so like one to 200 of, well, we use, Julie and I use HC 110. Um, mm-hmm. So like one to 200 or one to 300 of, or something like that for an extended period of time.
3: Yeah. I'm, like I said, I, I don't know for sure. Okay. <laughs> I can't tell you, but if I was to experiment with it, that's what, that's where I would start.
0: Okay. A very cool. Cool. Good developer, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, I tell you, when Julie and I met you down in Manchester, um, for for the listeners, I have to say, when you see something on, say, a screen, see somebody's Instagram, it's pretty cool. But when you see it in person, there's just something tangibly different, you know, fundamentally different about seeing something in person, seeing the actual piece of art. Um, as it's supposed to be displayed in a frame like the frames that your husband made <laughs> heather um, <laughs> or uh, artfully put up in a in a pattern it's just it's really cool but one of the one of the uh, pieces of art that I was drawn to almost immediately was uh, one where you took a, a bunch of uh, dead bugs and these are invasive invasive species, right
3: yes um the spotted lantern fly
0: yes exactly so you you took these. Um, these, well, just, why don't you just just explain what that that project uh, for our, yeah, for our listeners? I can do that.
4: Yeah,
3: um, so the spotted lanternfly is rampant in our area of the world um, and very rapidly expanding to other states and um, really doing a lot of harm to the environment. Um, So I have been trying to do like a project that brings awareness to them, but it started out really cheeky um, and like very kind of satirical and simple um, because they're so rampant. There are actually a lot of artists in my area that make artwork about the bugs and they'll make like stickers that say like squash them with like a drawing. Um, It's just like we're being told by our government to kill every single bug that you see on site. It's like in the news every day, everybody's Instagram, like art. It's just becoming like a like a cultural, like artistic thing for our area. So my part of it was like, well, yeah, you know, every time I go outside, I see them and I squash them, but maybe I should actually make artwork with them. So I was collecting them, putting them on photo paper, and then physically squashing them under glass, which oh, wow disgusting because their guts come out. And then I would put them in the sun and make lumen prints of them. And, um, yeah. So I <laughs> I started a project like that and I called it <laughs> Squash. And um, so I was doing that for a while and I really liked it. And, you know, people in my area, they were familiar with the bugs and they were just like loving the idea of this because it's just like funny and we're all being told we have to kill
4: these things.
3: Um, so I did a critique uh, with... Pablo and Stig um with the Experimental Photo Festival and I was talking to them about their project and they were like you know we get it they had you know they're from other they're from Europe they're like like we understand that like you have this weird bug but it's just like you're telling us it's invasive but you're not showing us that and like if everybody already knows how to step on them like you're not really like saying anything they're like we this needs to feel more invasive like you need to like you need to like do more and I'm like oh god (laughs) so it was a great critique um and then from there I like truly expanded the project I started um putting footprints with the bugs so you would like physically see like the squashing and then I really like the patterns that were um on the bottoms of everyone's shoes became like just really interesting so I made a huge wall mural of all of the what I still considered to be squashes. Um, They were like chemigrams of shoe prints with the squash bugs in them. And, um, So I had that mural, which I think speaks to like a community coming together to kill the bugs. And I did that over the course of a year with all the different life cycles of the bugs. Um, But then on top of that, I started working in the darkroom and getting experimental with um, combining like photograms of the squashed spotted lanternflies with pinhole photography or with lumen printing. Um, I did like paper cutouts within my photograms. So... The exhibit itself didn't have a ton of pieces in it, it had like a huge wall mural that took me an entire year to make, and then I believe it had um, seven framed pieces, like you saw, Um, and those seven pieces were all like experimental darkroom processes where I was like combining, um, like enlarging with chemigram, with lumen print, with photogram, so it, that was like really fun for me to work on. I learned a lot in the dark room. It was really experimental, um, and I think it's definitely influenced me for like the project I'm going to be doing this year that I haven't started yet. Um, so I'm excited about that. It was like it was a really cool project to work
0: on. That's cool. Well, one of, one of the ones in particular, I think this might have been one that was. Oh, Julie, do you have a? Did you raise your hand?
2: Yeah. Okay, go I've ahead. I've been being quiet because I'm. I'm really into pinhole and into experimenting and, and I know you guys aren't, so I wanted to hear what, what you guys were (laughs) going to ask, but (laughs) it seemed like, like a really great time to mention also that Heather, you taught a class online that I was able to attend that was all about making pinhole cameras and experimenting with them. And you also wrote a book about it.
4: I did. Yeah. That.
2: Yeah, I have it right here (laughs) called Don't Fix It Yet. And so anybody who sees your Squash'em pictures on Instagram um, or I don't know if you have a website where they are Mm
4: -hmm, posted.
2: Yeah, well, maybe we can get that and put it in the show notes so people can can see it, too. But all of the processes that you are describing, you have the directions in this book.
4: Mm -hmm.
2: So you thank you for mentioning people yeah people who want to try a new thing if you're already into pinhole or solar graphs you can like level up if you get heather's book
0: and how much is that
2: i'm sure she can say where i got it from a link on instagram but i can't remember if that's yeah that's pretty much it
3: for me just the link on instagram is also on my webpage. page um, and how much is that I sell it for
0: $30. Okay, cool. That's a good price.
3: I hope you've
2: been enjoying it. I can't wait
3: to see what you make after reading.
2: Well, yeah. I was just talking to Mario about it yesterday actually cuz I I had like this big plan that I was going to try to make some like something similar from your book. But I haven't, I've made pinhole pictures and I've made photograms, but I have not combined the two processes because I can't figure out a place where I can dry it. Oh, and where the I pin- can, yeah, where I can dry it without fixing it and without ruining it with light. So, so. this old bedroom sounds like a great place.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Got a
3: <whole> room. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> or, I had this scheme. I was thinking a cardboard box inside of a changing bag. Well, actually. That I could like lean first, it up inside or something. So,
3: exactly what you just said, they make them. They're called um, safe boxes for the dark room. So, you can get a paper safe. And it's just like a black plastic, light proof box with a lid. And you can put the paper in and close it.
2: Oh, I have one. Oh, perfect. I've never touched it. It came in a box of stuff someone gave me. (laughs) There you go. So, I mean, without airflow,
3: I don't, like, really know how well it would dry in there or how fast it would dry, but that might be a good space for it.
2: I'll have to try that. Yeah, line
3: it with paper towel or something.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I wanted to say something about one of the, I think this piece of, this art, uh, this piece of art was at, at the exhibit in Manchester. It was in the, the squished exhibit and mm-hmm. it's, a. Uh, let me just show it to you real quick and then I'll describe it to the listeners.
4: Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So
0: well. I love this, this picture for a number of reasons. Um, it's, it's entitled overwhelmed and that's what it seems like, like these, inv- this inv- invasive species, any invasive species, um, can be overwhelming and in some ways you could consider humans to be sort of an invasive species of sorts you know Uh, and it helps us to keep in mind what sort of impact we have on on the environment but I love I love the way that I I mean I don't know if this is what you were getting after with this particular piece but it does seem like these bugs are overwhelming the scene Mm -hmm. but I love it because there's I don't know. It's like entering an abandoned uh, house. It's in disrepair. It is decaying, but there's beauty in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've taken pictures of you know skulls or whatever. There's some beauty in in death. So in this in this uh, photo, it's or this uh, piece of art, it's almost like there's a beauty in the destruction of this species when you consider the the environment that is being devastated by it.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I, 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 I love the. What's that?
3: i said thank you for saying that. That's great.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it's just really. It's it's very dreamlike, and I'll make sure to put this in uh, on the Gen X Photography Pod um, Instagram site. But I just it's one of the most fantastic uh, pieces of art that I've seen. Um, well, especially since I saw it in person, it was very impactful. Impactful for me, but all right. Um,
1: How big are your prints? Heather?
3: Um, at these squash prints were either 8 by 10 sized or 11 by 14. And the okay. lumen prints that I said I, like, squashed the bug under the glass, those were 3 inch by 3 inch each. Okay. And there were, like, over 200 of them on, like, a full wall. Oh. oh.
2: Okay. Yeah. I posted a picture of that wall on Instagram. Um I think you did too, Heather. So, if anybody wants to see that wall, you can find it on Heather's Instagram or on mine if you scroll back. But it, it was beautiful. And one thing that is really cool about that wall is because you've spent so much time experimenting with it, you managed to get ones where you retained those wild colors in those prints. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, there, you have even pastel, like sunsetty colors on some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just gorgeous and you can it would have been great if everybody could have seen it in person because it was so big and pretty
4: but, do you
0: do you have um, any plans on having um you know another exhibit of some of you you know some of your art in other locations
3: yeah actually i'm i don't have a future exhibit set in stone for the um series that we've been talking about but Mm -hmm. i have been contacting other museums in um further states that don't have the spotted lanternflies yet uh, for educational purposes which that's why the exhibit was in vermont is because you don't have them yet but Most likely will next year. Right. Um, And like get the word out ahead of time. So um, I've been contacting uh, gallery spaces and museums and like environmental centers um, to try to further that project. Um, But then outside of the realm of that particular project, I do have a couple shows coming up this year. Um, I don't have a solo show like in my radar for the future at the moment, but I'm uh, going to be in a show in New York City in April called luminous elsewheres um so i'm preparing for that right now and i'm very excited about it it'll be my first um exhibit in new york city so that's for me that feels so big like
0: yeah um,
3: having been in college going every single week to the city and like walking through chelsea and like seeing all the galleries and now it's mm-hmm. like god i'm gonna have artwork in one <laughs> 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 back to childhood i'm like so excited <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's so cool well uh You know, at the end of this uh, podcast, you'll definitely have to let us know when and where so we can put that in the show notes as well. Uh, That'd Mm -hmm. be fascinating for anybody who's listening, possibly us, to go (laughs) and see. So um, one question I have is you do a lot of, (laughs) you know, all different kinds of processes. Um, Do you have a particular favorite process that or a couple of favorite processes that you gravitate toward?
3: um yeah I would say I definitely gravitate towards pinhole um that's definitely to me like what I'm most passionate about I feel like it's the most magical and just keeps me coming back to it um, I really love that and then outside of pinhole I really like exposing with the sun so whether it's a cyanotype or a lumen print um it doesn't really matter to me which one I think I gravitate more towards lumen prints but I like that idea of like uh working very directly with the sun to make the exposures, Um, so I always have fun with that, and it's very slow, um, so I enjoy that as well, but I would say definitely pinhole, and then maybe lumen printing would be a close second.
0: Well, it does seem like with pinhole photography, or with lumen prints, or anything that we, you know, you're using directly with the sun, um, when you think about the word photograph, that is the true Meanings, you know, light written, you know.
4: Mm-hmm. So
0: and there's no better source of light than our home star. Uh, I just think that that's a. I haven't done much with pinhole photography or alternative processes, but every time I do it, it's it's fascinating just to think about this star that's 93 million miles away
4: mm-hmm.
0: is cr- helping to create this image right in front of me. You know, it's just a really fascinating concept. You know.
3: Yeah, definitely. Someone, I don't even know who, I couldn't quote them, but they wrote to me about how they love pinhole photography because it's the most direct, um, like, uh, I don't know what to say, like the most direct influence of the sun. Like there's no glass that it goes through. The light is not being refracted. It's just like literally this one photon came from the sun and touched your film. I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) you're right. I never thought of it.
0: It's so (laughs) true. so true um cool. think of it what's mm-hmm. that
1: that's a cool it's a cool thought <laughs> it,
0: it really is
1: I heard that, I was like, Whoa. <laughs>
0: do you think do, your students in high school do are they captivated by those kind of ideas as well like yeah. have you talked about pinhole photography with them
3: Oh yeah, I they definitely do pinhole with me. Oh cool, <laughs>
0: um,
3: and they really like it. They find it to be really magical. Um, they love that you can like we always joke about how we're just turning garbage into a camera, and they it just blows their mind. Yeah. And I feel like seeing that magic in their eyes just like reinvigorates that for me. And since I work in semesters, I do it every September and every February. So I'm looking forward to that, like, jolt of fascination I'm going to get in about a month from now with my new students, because they really do. Just seeing that magic through their eyes is just amazing. I feel like the same. I don't have children, but I feel like it would be the same for a parent, like reliving Christmas, like with their kids, like just seeing that magic through their kids' eyes. They're like, oh, yeah, Christmas is fun. <laughs> yeah. um, so I don't know. I, can't, I just I'm looking forward to that. But they yeah. love it
0: that's awesome that's so awesome i think if if you know with these younger uh with the younger generation if if those of us who are a little bit older can continue passing along this this passion that we have for this sort of art i i don't know it in my opinion it photography helps me to get outside and to enjoy the natural world and to i guess to not just appreciate it but also to really um get a sense of what the natural world is it's 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 our home and we got to take care of it and so I think helping younger people to to understand this sort of you know this sort of um, uh, artistic endeavor where it's actually getting out you know you're getting outside and enjoying the the outside beauty it can help them to to feel more at home outside versus just being inside all the time you know
3: Mm -hmm,
1: definitely
0: so well uh Julie or Suzanne do you have any more uh any questions?
1: I, I can I'm sorry, Julie. Do you want to go first?
0: No, go ahead. I
1: keep, just like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I saw a funny post that I had to ask you about where you're swinging around the camera. Oh <laughs> yes. Like, right? Did you make it? Was that you making a print or making an exposure? Yes, it was. Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh well, what? No, I
3: actually I don't have it on Instagram. Um, so I was in. That was taken while I was in a workshop at the Experimental Photo Festival in Barcelona, and it was an alchemography workshop, and we were learning about how to um, paint different uh natural chemicals onto paper put it into a camera and make an exposure with it and we were supposed to have brought with us like a 35 millimeter or a 120 camera and I only brought a pinhole camera with me so um, my exposures needed to be super super long and um because I didn't have enough time during the workshop to take just one image I was like I need to photograph the sun then and I didn't want to just point it at the sun so I'm like I'm just gonna like dance
4: with this thing <laughs>
3: um which is a technique going back to what I said earlier that I learned from an accident one of my students made doing pinhole photography they forgot to cover up the hole after their exposure and just picked it up and carried it away and you got this crazy streak on it and they're like what is this and I'm like I think that's the sun and I realized that if you just dance around with a pinhole camera you can just draw with the light which is is really fun and i highly recommend you just go out into public with a tin can and just start dancing around <laughs>
4: <laughs> that's cool um, so yes,
1: um, I, I laughed when i watched right. it i'm like there's something to that <laughs>
3: yeah. so i was like i'm just gonna like swing this around um yeah it was great it was a good time <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs>
0: and
3: it wasn't um unfortunately it was not highly successful so i never posted it online but it was um, fun to me <laughs> Exactly. It's all about the experiment.
1: Never know unless you try. Exactly.
0: <laughs> when, you're, uh, when your students are working with you or, you know, you're uh, doing photography with your students, do they usually work with paper or film?
3: Uh, both. We both. only do paper negatives with pinhole photography and then okay. they do 35 millimeter film for the rest of the class.
0: Okay, cool. Do you see, uh, like, you, you say you do it in semesters. Do you see that you know, in some, say one semester or the other semester that people will gravitate more toward the pinhole or more toward the 35 millimeter? Or is it kind of balanced or do they just find it fascinating altogether?
3: I think they find it fascinating altogether. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. um, I think it's pretty balanced, but actually just yesterday was like my last day of classes with my first semester students so we were doing portfolio reviews and a lot of them were mentioning to me how pinhole was like their favorite project of the year because it was just so eye-opening to them about how photography works how an image works they felt it was so magical they thought it was cool that you just like like I said like turn garbage into a camera um so they were really drawn to it but I also think that like my passion for it kind of like Bleeds out onto them. <laughs> yeah, it rubs off on
0: them for sure. Yeah,
3: so when I'm like so excited, they can't help but to also be excited, which is good.
0: <laughs> well, I guess uh, th- this is sort of off the subject of, of teaching, but one thing, well, I guess maybe more along the lines of solar grams, one thing that I'm really, really looking forward to, and it's going to be a, about a year and a half away, li- lo- li- just a little over a year away, and that's the solar eclipse. Um, it's I just heard about that
3: this morning, actually.
0: Oh, did you? Wait, <laughs> what? <laughs> well, it's going to come. It's April 8th. Mm-hmm. It's going to be passing, uh, emanating from somewhere down in Mexico, passing up through Texas, all the way up through the uh, far northwestern corner of Vermont. Um, and all along that path of totality, if you're like within 70 miles, you'll see the actual total eclipse. Do you, th- what do you think? Wouldn't it be cool to to get a, a pinhole photography of the solar eclipse? Yes.
4: You know?
3: All right, we all have to do it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a solar solargram on that day.
3: <laughs> yes. I know the sun would just like fade out in the middle. <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> that
2: would be cool.
0: It would be cool.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, Julie, do you have any more questions?
2: I don't have a question, but I was thinking when you were talking about your students, when I was traveling recently, I was with my niece who just turned 24 this month, so she's pretty young, and it was really, really funny to me. I had brought um, a couple of film cameras with me, and she was like, yeah, I really want an old camera, too. They have them at Walmart, and I was like, thinking, what does she mean? <laughs> it was, she wanted an Instax camera oh yeah to her that was a really old camera She <laughs> and so I went I got her an instax camera and some film and she um she had a great time most of them didn't come out because she did not even look at the camera like she used it like a cell phone and she didn't look at the settings. so <gasps> she had all these super dark pictures and I was like but did you adjust and she's like what do you mean and so I had to like show her. I'm like, it's not like your phone. There's buttons, even though that, you know, an Instax doesn't have many. Yeah. So, you know, I helped her change the settings and then she took the picture you know when it came out she set it directly in the sun and i saw her do this and i'm like running i'm like no put it in your pocket put it in your pocket (laughs) and she said no my friend told me you you put them in the sun and i was like your friend is wrong
0: please put it in your
2: pocket (laughs) i'm like it was very it was just really interesting to me watching like she really wanted that experience of making a picture but she had no concept Mm
4: -hmm. at
2: all of photography outside of her phone but she said um she she recently (laughs) yeah I I told her she need she could come over and that we would go make some pinhole pictures and develop them in the dark room so she could see how it Mm -hmm. really works and she said she wanted to but we haven't you know she works she's a grown up, even though she's young, (laughs) (laughs) but it was, she's been printing photos, um, getting prints made of her cell phone pictures and making an album. And I just, I think that's something that, like you were saying, these kids are missing. They didn't grow up doing it. And Mm -hmm. she really wanted that. And so I think that the more we can share even if it's just by helping them understand you can print from your cell phone like Mm -hmm. you're making pictures print it and look at it and hold it yeah Um, i think that's such a great thing for them to have yeah i completely
4: agree
0: um heather i i forgot we do have one facebook question from our facebook group okay um and it's from bob st sear i wanted to get this uh asked uh, before we end the show um he asks what is your favorite pinhole camera format and why oh that
3: is a good question
0: yeah
3: Um, what is my favorite format i feel like answer that I'm I'm not thinking of the format I'm thinking of the camera experience because I have so many like I have an undo six by six that's the only medium format that I have and then I have um an undo also for my 135. And then my four by five pinhole is the one I've had since college. It's like a no name brand. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would say my favorite one to shoot is my six by six. I really like the square format. And I just love that camera itself The undo. Um, I have the rise. So I think six by six is my favorite format.
0: Do you like the undo cameras? Love them. They're the best. Yeah, I love them. For a well since julie got into photography um you know she started with pinhole and like immediately went into large format and it was just a fascinating trajectory that she was on because i'm (laughs) i'm still with 35 and i love it and Uh so one one that i would that i've been interested in for quite some time and i just haven't bit the bullets so to speak is the the 35 millimeter undo does Mm -hmm. that shoot the sprocket holes or does that shoot it does shoot the sprocket holes
3: Yes. And okay. it allows you to do either panoramic or thirty-five millimeter. So wow yeah, you have the choice.
0: Okay. Well So that's that kind
3: might- of fun. That's why I went with that one. Actually, um Elvis, the creator of the cameras, suggested that I get the piano instead of the regular thirty-five because the piano does
0: the sprocket and has the ability to do both. So he said it was it's the better option. Okay. Well that's that's good to know. That might be in the offing yeah. (laughs) a little bit later on. (laughs) Well, Heather, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, it's been illuminating, illuminating, finding out more about your art and also your teaching. To me, that was the most fascinating transmitting these ideas to a younger generation. I just, I love that. I really do.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. It
1: was nice to meet you guys. (laughs) Chatting with you. Thank you for explaining all my questions.
0: (laughs) Before we go, I want to get everybody's socials. So we'll start with you, Heather. Uh, Where can people find your work and just anything that um, you want to give out there to the listeners?
3: Um, My Instagram is heather.palasek.art. And I do not have a Facebook page for my my art making um but i do have a web page um if you just google my name my business will come up instead of my art page (laughs) which is (laughs) fine um but my art page is just heatherpalosec.squarespace.com and um yeah i don't think i have anything else to share but i will definitely follow up i'll give you um like some links about the upcoming show and the book and whatnot so you can share
0: okay and julie where can people find you Oop, my, I'm on Instagram right now, getting my uh, page and <laughs> it started turning. I have the volume up. Ah! <laughs> Sorry about that. Julie, where can people find your work?
2: Um, On Instagram, I'm JP's shoebox walk. Mm-hmm. I'm, I think, and then on Flickr, just Julianne Piper, my name.
0: Okay. And Suzanne?
1: Uh, Instagram is b.roll.backup. And that's probably the best place to find me.
0: Absolutely. Cool. And I'm on Instagram at Mario Piper and on Flickr at Mario Piper. (laughs) So, all right. Well, thank you all for listening to this wonderful podcast. And as always, keep those analog vibes alive. Well, now for a little bit of after-show banter. Here we go. Thank you so much, Heather.
3: Thank you. That was fun. Yeah, yeah.
0: I tell you what, man, I, I really appreciate, um, you know, when we went went down to see your, your art, it was just so fascinating, uh, the combination between your husband's um, framework and your your art together it was it like really made an impact because these are the very trees that are i mean i don't know if they're they're, they were the trees that were affected by the bugs but
3: we chose um maples that he ethically harvested in vermont he lived in vermont for many years okay and he still has some of the wood from there so they weren't affected by the spotted lanternfly but they are maple trees which of course is very important to vermonters Mm -hmm. and yeah um they were affected by other boring beetles. So it was just kind of to show like, you know, this is what could happen to your maples. Like it's already happened with some other bugs, but it will happen again. Um, So a lot of them were uh, maple trees that had been affected by various other bugs.
0: Wow. Yeah. I, I do a little, not so much recently. uh, Photography's really taken over my soul, (laughs) but in the past, I did more woodworking and, um, one of my favorite pieces of wood was actually infested with some sort of, I don't know if it was a bug or some sort of a fungus or something like that, but it, it gave it a bit of a character. And mm-hmm. I think, I think that piece of that, yeah, you know, that tree was ethically sourced. Yes. I, I don't remember what the, the, the tree is, butternut maybe, but, mm-hmm. um, you're not supposed to cut them down here in Vermont. You can only, from what I understand, you can only gather ones that have been felled, that have fallen on their own. Yeah. Uh, but it can lead, lead to some really beautiful, uh, you know, just beautiful lumber, so.
3: Yeah, what I've learned from him is that when the bugs bore into it, it creates the holes that allow the moisture to get in. So that's how the fungus gets inside and then makes all the dark, like, kind of like squiggly lines everywhere.
0: Mm-hmm. Spalting. Yeah. Yes, that's the name of it. Cool. Well well, I hope we can
2: come see your exhibit in New York.
0: I know my daughter is really
2: wants to go to New York City. (laughs) Perfect. So maybe we could time it that way. Yeah. That would be awesome.
3: The exhibit opening is on like a weird day. It's well, not weird, but it's from fr- on a Friday from six to eight, so I feel like that would be impossible for you guys to get there for the opening. Um, but I did sign up to be the. We all have to sit for a day in the museum to like keep the. Or I'm sorry, in the gallery to keep the gallery open. So I signed up for Saturday, April first, like the very next day. So I'll be there for like the all the hours on that Saturday.
0: Cool, cool. Suzanne, as far as solargrams, you should try it. It's really. Yeah, it's fascinating
1: I, yeah I got all the stuff when you when you make um when you are making your your pinhole do you do you just like literally pop yep. a hole in it okay
3: yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> tiny tiny but I feel like that's true for all pinhole, no matter what you're doing just like the tinier, the better yeah okay okay yeah,
1: yeah I'll i measure yard I can set it up in I can just mm-hmm. let it sit there
2: yeah or,
1: like the house or something
2: Yeah. Suzanne, did you see the did you see her pictures from the community garden? Heather Uh, put pinholes like in a bed of asparagus. So you can see the ghost of the asparagus as it grew up through the photo. I love the ghost of the
1: asparagus. (laughs) That's exactly what it is. (laughs) I I read something about that, about the garden and I didn't see it. Oh my gosh, I absolutely dig this one. I came across this morning. Um Jacob's Greek, let me see if I can turn this around. I have no idea, like, I'm blind here, but my little thing is, like, this big to me. I hope you guys can see me bigger, but that one is so gorgeous. Yeah, I love that one. That's one of my favorites, too. I
0: don't
1: know. I'll have to look for Garden Shot.
0: Yeah, they're so fascinating. What What I love about them, like, so there's one... It was just, uh, I think it was for the winter solstice. Mm-hmm. Um, let me let me show it to oh, you the again.
3: One, the orange one, yes. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. is that paper or is that film? Paper. Okay, man, that's so cool because it looks. So I, I guess one thing I'm, I'm curious about. That looks like a positive image. It doesn't look like a, like a negative.
4: So I
3: flip it. Once you scan it, you have to like edit it. So okay. I. I flip it from a negative to a
2: positive.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. So just like we the, did
2: on our solar graph.
0: Okay, so the yeah. sun, the the arc of the sun, and that's just one day's exposure, right? Yep. Okay, so the arc of the sun would actually be blue on the negative? Yes. Okay. hmm Cool. Uh,
1: okay, so when you scan it, you're not scanning, so you're yeah, you scanning. Okay. I have, hold on, I have a bag full of negatives under me. I'm looking you- at them, because you can't do anything with them. But, oh, I see it now. Oh, I see it. Okay. Let's see do if you I can
0: scan- do you scan them as photos or as documents?
1: Oh,
3: yeah. Like, here's a new one I made recently. This is the negative. Oh, wow. Yeah, and, then, and you just scan it. It's like it's currently getting exposed more. It's alive, but
0: yeah,
3: it just yeah. comes out of the camera.
0: Now, do you think um, – what would happen, Heather, if you – if you took, say, one of those mm. photograms uh, or what would you call those solograms?
3: Solographs.
0: Solar graphs. That's, yeah. If you took one of those solar graphs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do they call it? Semantics. But if you took one of those solar graphs and, um, and if you wanted to to stop it being exposed, like if you were happy with the way it was and didn't want it to be exposed any further, would you develop it and then... Or would you just fix it?
3: Just fix it.
0: Just fix it? Okay.
3: But the fixer does remove a lot of the color and the contrast. Oh, So okay. I would not suggest uh, fixing it before scanning it. Always scan first. Okay. And the same is true for lumen prints. When you fix them, they lose their vibrancy. So you're okay. more
1: you're making like the thing that you scan is your original, yes. and then you're You're going to go from prints if you're putting it in a show. You're not going to use the original because you can't, right? Because it dies.
3: Yep, exactly. So it ends up being digital prints of analog negatives. Okay. Yeah. So that's what I'm experimenting. That's actually, you guys will be the very first to know what my new thing is.